As has been our practice during this series, I'll be reading a, a prayer from a, a wise one of days gone by. Uh, this is a prayer from a guy called Ulrich Zwingli. If you want to know who Ulrich Zwingli is, you have to come to the Reformation subject that is in term four. Um, always got a plug. Uh, let's bow our heads. Almighty, eternal, and merciful God, whose word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, open and illuminate our minds that we may purely and perfectly understand your word and that our lives might be conformed to what we have rightly understood, that in nothing we may displease and uh, be displeasing unto thy majesty. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, well, when it comes to uh, thinking about temptation, uh, the second thing I think about is uh, uh, the serpent in, in the garden and Adam and Eve and all of those things we know in the Bible. But I'll be honest, the first thing I think about uh, is a food, as we were talking about at the beginning. It's not Tim Tams. Uh, for me, it is a $5 pepperoni pizza from Domino's. Uh, I make really good homemade pizza. I even have my dough down. I do it myself. Uh, but if the family are away or I've had a stressful day, there is nothing more tempting and nothing cheaper than $5 for a whole pizza at Domino's, even though you know that this is one of the foods of instant regret. It tastes of pepperoni and disappointment. Uh, and yet I can't help myself. Temptation for me personally, when I think about it, is about something like this. There is nothing redeeming about it, and yet I find myself again and again going back to its pepperoni-ish goodness. Uh, that's my experience of temptation. Uh, we get a feel for the cultural approach to temptation uh, if you go online to do some of your shopping. Uh, I was interested to see recently that uh, the Greens Company at, at Woolies call their cupcakes Temptations Cupcakes. In fact, if you go into Woolies, you'll find there are 19 different products that use the word temptation in their name. That gives you an indication of how our culture sort of understands temptation. On one side, we know it's bad. A cupcake's not particularly good for me. At the same time, it, the thing that is bad is also kind of sneaky good. Uh, we like to talk about temptation, but often when we do it, we talk about that temptation that we actually enjoy giving into. I want to enjoy that thing, even if I know it's bad for me. But there's a, a kind of psychological thing that comes along with this. If temptation is no more than a pizza or a cupcake, it makes it easier to think lightly of temptation. Not to think about real issues or real things that we might struggle with. Now, this is what the commentator Kevin DeYoung was uh, uh, speaking about when he uh, writes about Westerners and temptation. He says this, uh, Most of us, if we're honest, we live our lives too serious about casual things, casual temptations, and too casual about serious things. Uh, we fret about clothes and calories. We fuss about diets and home decor. Our whole week can be ruined by a sporting event gone wrong. We're supremely concerned about these relatively unimportant matters. And yet we will start each new day as if there was no spiritual danger, as if we had no enemy, as if we were not at war with our flesh. As we turn this week to the final stanza of the Lord's Prayer, we come to that line, lead us not into temptation, or as the CSB puts it, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
But before we even get to this line, the question we have to ask ourselves is uh, whether or not this is actually something that we want to pray. Is this something that we recognize that we need in our lives? Uh, do we see ourselves as people who are in spiritual danger if we don't uh, uh, recognize God for who he is and ourselves for who we are? Or when it comes to temptation, do we only see it as a dominoes or a cupcake kind of seriousness? So we're going to think a little bit about temptation today, and we're going to do it by looking at three things. Uh, the if, uh, the what, and the how, and then finally we're going to ask ourselves, how do we apply it? Uh, well, if is one of those most powerful words in the English language. Uh, it's one of those contingent things, and it speaks with almost unlimited potential. Uh, so uh, I hear F almost every, uh, if every, uh, almost every Saturday morning uh, when one of my kids will come in and they say, uh, if I bring you a coffee in bed, can I then have some screens? Uh, they understand a really powerful thing. If Tim is well caffeinated, uh, then the TV is more likely to be on for an hour or so on a Saturday morning. Sometimes we see if speaking about a, a vague hope for our future. Uh, I have been tempted in the last couple of weeks to say, well, uh, if all of the flowers have bloomed, if we can look out through those three windows over there and we can see uh, that there is kind of green leaves on the trees, then surely spring has arrived in orange and it's going to be warm from here on in. Uh, and that has been an if that has been profoundly disappointing, if that's what you're hoping for. But we know that the greatest ifs are those ifs that shape not just a little thing, is it going to be warm, is it going to be cold, but shape how we understand our world. Over the last 20 years, we've had to ask some really big questions like, uh, if as a human being I'm actually having a negative effect on our climate, then does that change the way I live? Will I buy a greener car? Will I be more careful about the things that I use and the things that I throw away? Does that shape every part of my life? And as we get to the end of the Lord's Prayer, we see the greatest if of all for us that shapes all of who we are and what we're about. And as we think through the Lord's Prayer, we see this if shapes everything. If we actually believe that God is the creator and sustainer of the whole universe, that he is our father who is above and beyond us because he's in heaven. And yet at the same time, he loves us so intimately that we can call him father. If we believe that God is holy, that he is set aside from us in his purity and his righteousness. If we believe that God's kingdom coming and that his will being done on earth is actually the greatest good that we can experience in this world. If we think that uh, the sustainer of the universe is also the one who sustains us, that he gives us not only our daily bread, but the bread of life through his son, Jesus. And finally, if, as we looked at last week, if we trust that God forgives our sins and calls us to love others in the same way, if as Christians we believe all these things, then that shapes how we live and what we value. If Jesus died for our sin, if God looks at us and sees not our failures but the sinless, sinless perfection of his Son, then this if shapes the way we see our past. We're not shaped by our mistakes, but we're shaped by Jesus' love and sacrifice. And that shapes our future. Uh, that when we look into our future, we take sin seriously. And we want, with God's help, to honour God with our lives. And that means that we are going to be in a battle against temptation. 
In seeking God's help, we pray that God would lead us not into temptation, or as the CSB put it, puts it, do not bring us into temptation. Uh, but what, is that, what does that actually mean? Does it imply that God is, uh, was going to tempt us with something, but now he isn't? Uh, what does it mean to say, do not bring us into temptation? Well, there are three big ways that we might understand temptation here. The first is the idea uh, that God might be somebody who's going to entice us into sin. Uh, but we know this can't be because the Bible actually makes this clear. You could look up a passage like James 1.13 and this is what you'd read. Uh, no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. The scriptures make it clear that it is antithetical of God to try and tempt us into something because God wants us to resist temptation. God wants us to do good things. It is not in his nature to tempt us. So that brings us to the second possibility, and that is that God might allow us to experience temptation from an external force. And so to pray to God, lead us not into temptation is a prayer that God would in his grace shape our lives in such a way that we might not be put into a position where we're tempted by things. Uh, my uh, love of American football is very well documented. Uh, on any given Sunday, I'm wearing at least one piece of uh, US paraphernalia. I have my Steelers hat down there, much to my wife's annoyance, I'm sure. Uh, yes, she's nodding. Um, for, and if you're ever up at 5 a.m. on a Monday morning, I'd love to watch a game with you. Uh, but for all of my love of this sport, for all of my fascination with it, uh, I thank God that he made me a profoundly uncoordinated person. Uh, there was no point in my uh, future where being a professional athlete was going to be something I could do. And I actually thank God for that. Because when you look at the temptation that athletes have, uh, it's mind-numbing that any professional athlete remains a Christian. Uh, the lowest paid player in the American football, the NFL, will make $705,000 this year. Could you imagine being in your early 20s and having almost a million bucks that you could spend? Uh, there are teams of people, hundreds of people, who when they go to work each week, the people are there to tell them, you are great, you can do anything, you are powerful. They have all of this affirmation, they are the best. They've got money, they have power, they have influence. And as a person who's at the peak of their physical ability, they have people who see them as an object of desire. It is a world that is filled with temptation where they are told, hey, you are the little G gods of your world, you are the greatest. And as much as there's a worldly desire that I might feel, I think that would be nice to have that kind of attention and that affirmation. I look to God and I thank him for not putting me in that situation because I know in my heart that that kind of affirmation is something that really makes it easy for me to make myself an idol. To pray, lead us not into temptation. is to pray that God might spare us those occasions where external forces challenge our allegiance, where we might be tempted to make a, a thing or a person or even our own selves an idol and to push God out of the way. We pray that he might spare us that kind of temptation that we know that Jesus himself experienced. If we were to turn back two chapters to chapter 4 of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus spends 40 days in the desert. 
And there are these three occasions where Jesus uh, is tempted by the devil. Uh, Firstly, turn these stones into bread and use your power for your own ends rather than honouring God. Then the devil takes him to the top of the temple and he says, "Uh, God promises in the Bible that you won't stub your toe if you trust in him. So throw yourself off the temple and God, uh, you can force God's hand. He'll have to save you. Finally, they look up from a mountaintop and the devil says, you could rule everywhere and everything if only you bow down and worship me. But Jesus, the sinless son of God, resists these temptations. He says, firstly, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from God's mouth. As he's standing on the top of the temple, he says, "Uh, the Bible tells us not to uh, put God to the test. And finally, at the mountaintop, he says, worship the Lord and serve only him. Don't make yourself king of things. Friends, since we know the answer to the great if, that God is Lord of all, that Christ Jesus will return, we have a promise of a treasure that will never perish or spoil or fade. Uh, That means that we too can see the temptation of power or influence for what they really are. And that we can pray that God would spare us the temptation of these things. Because it is a a good thing to be tempted and to resist that temptation. But at the same time, we know that we are not perfect like Jesus. That we don't always resist temptation. So if it is good to be tempted and resist, it is better by far not to be led in temptation. And so we can pray that. The Lord's Prayer is not about God tempting us, but it's clear that there is a sense in which it is about praying that God would keep from us those external forces that might tempt us to turn away from him and to curve in onto ourselves. But there's also a third type of temptation, which is that internal one, not an external force, but our own hearts that are tempted to go down into things. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, we're praying also that God would reshape our lives and our our priorities and our desires so that we might honour God with them. Uh, Years ago when I was in Bible college, uh, the principal of the college was uh, giving a sermon and during that he spoke about his newspaper reading habits. Uh, He said that uh, on a Saturday morning he went down to the newsagent uh, and he didn't walk into the main part of the newsagents, but he walked straight up to the person. He'd already arranged this with him and the guy would have his newspapers ready with him. He'd hand over the papers, Dave would hand over his $4 and then he'd go back home. And I remember him asking us, why do you think I set this up with the newsagent? And I, I had no idea. And Dave said, well, I'll give you a hint. Uh, what is right next to the newspapers in this newsagent's? Uh, It was all of the adult magazines. And Dave said he wanted to care for his heart. Uh, He knew the kind of temptation he might be lured into. And so he wanted to make sure he never even gave himself the opportunity to give into that kind of lust as he looks at one newspaper to look across to those magazines as well. To pray to God that he would not bring us into temptation is to desire that we would be holy, that we would want to honour God with everything that we have and everything that we do. That heart, soul, mind and strength, that God would be shaping us to be more like his son Jesus. That we might stand strong both against the desires from the outside, but also from those temptations that we know can well up from within us. Now, the second half of the verse actually sort of acts partly as a confirmation of this. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or deliver us from evil. 
But here is where one of those moments where I get to share one of my favorite things. I love collecting obscure words. And this little phrase where it goes, don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is an example of antithetical parallelism. If you can say that three times quickly, you're doing very well. Uh, antithetical parallelism is just a complicated word for a simple idea. And that is when you uh, put next to each other a positive affirmation of something and then the negative uh, opposite of that. Two, uh, two sides of one idea right next to each other. So if you were to look at, say, at, at uh, Psalm 1, uh, you'd read, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, the positive, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. You take a positive thing and a negative thing and you make a point by putting them next to each other. Uh, God uh, does this good thing in good situations and he does the opposite in bad ones. And so this is the emphasis we see in uh, verse 13. Uh, the negative, keep us away from temptation, but the positive, uh, deliver us from evil. That is, God wants to be clear, he's not in the business of temptation. This is not what he comes here to do. But God is in the business of deliverance. God longs to and God loves to deliver his people, whether it is from Egypt, whether or not it is from an oppressive nation, or whether or not it is delivering us from our own sins. This is who God is. And this is the wonder of the Lord's Prayer, that as Jesus is pointing this out, as Jesus is pointing back to God's nature and character as a deliverer, Jesus himself is the greatest answer to all of these prayers. That through his life, his death, his resurrection and ascension, Jesus is the one who offers new life and new hope and new joy right now. And this changes everything because it means not only is this a prayer that is looking to the future, asking God to help us to resist temptation and avoid those evils in our lives that we get caught in. But knowing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, it means that we see the failings in our past in a different way as well. And this is why it's important that I say, friend, if you are listening here today, you may be a person who hears, lead us not into temptation, and you say, uh, this passage can't really apply to me because I've already given in to temptation. I've already done that stupid thing. I've already made those mistakes. So I can't pray to a God who I've already failed before I begin. This prayer can't be for me. Oh, well, if that is for you, friends, I want to say, and I can't stress this enough, uh, that this is what the good news of the gospel is all about that Jesus came to seek and save sinners, that Jesus promises that he comes to deliver us from this thing, uh, even if we are caught in it, even if we have been caught in it, that no matter what we have done, no matter how unworthy we feel, that God longs to see us be part of his family and that Jesus comes to deliver us from those things in our paths, that his spirit will work in us as we struggle with things in the present, and that we can have confidence that God has set aside a place for us in the future. Not because we are better or stronger or faster. Not because we always manage to resist temptation. But because Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again. Jesus is the one who taught his disciples how to pray. And Jesus is the one who comes as the great fulfillment of the Lord's Prayer. Because when we look at the prayer, we see how Jesus does this. That Jesus honoured his Father in heaven and was holy just as his Father was holy. 
That Jesus himself was God's kingdom breaking into earth so that we might know him, that we might relate to him, that we might see his life and his teaching. That Jesus is the one who said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Father. Jesus meets our deepest needs and God meets our everyday needs through Jesus. That Jesus is the one that came to give forgiveness. That when he healed the paraplegic, he said, what what is the greater need really? That his sins be forgiven and that his healing was a sign of this greater thing. And that Jesus is the one who delivers us from evil. Not because of our nature and character, but because he is. So how do we respond to something like this? Well, hopefully the first thing that we do is that we give up that temptation to say, I'm the one that can do this, I can earn things myself, and we put our trust in him. But I wanted to finish by giving maybe three practical examples of ways that we might be able to support each other in this. The first thing that we can do is as a Christian family, we can try and focus on the good things. Uh, Listen to what Philippians 4.8 says. Uh, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Uh, It is a good thing to be good. And it is good uh, for us Uh, to share good things. So as we focus on the goodness of the gospel, that can help us to step away from those uh, other things that might tempt us in our lives. Uh, I was really encouraged when I was chatting to one small group who had said uh, that they'd set up a WhatsApp uh, WhatsApp, and that once a week each each of them was encouraged to post one encouraging thing that they'd read in the Bible. If we want to start off our week well, if we want to focus on the right things, if we want to be uh, people who are going in the right area, uh, then we can encourage each other by the ways that we've been encouraged by uh, God's good word. And so they do that week by week. Let us focus on those things that are good in our lives so that we might have our eyes fixed on the prize rather than temptation. Uh, The second thing we can do is that we can support each other in times of trial. Uh, One of the many reasons why we encourage everybody to be part of a growth group if they can is that it's great to be able to meet with a smaller group of people who you can share your life with, who you can share your struggles with, that you can pray for each other and you can care for each other. If you're not part of a growth group, speak to me or one of the staff and we'd love to hook you up. If you can't be in a growth group, we'd love to find another way that you might have other people who can support you in that way. It's great to remember that our Christian faith really is a a team sport, that we do this together and we care for each other. Uh, But finally, I want to encourage you that maybe you're sitting here feeling like you've been holding God uh, at arm's length, that there's a secret sin or maybe there's a temptation that you've been struggling with. Uh, If that's you, uh, now's the time to draw nearer to God. It'd be a great opportunity to think about that at Simply Christianity if you're free. It's great to hold on to that truth that the gospel is not a story of uh, you need to do everything right. You have to do, do, do. And if you can forego every temptation, you can earn your way to heaven. But the gospel is the story of how it's been done, done, done by Jesus on the cross. As Jesus taught his followers to pray, he didn't teach them magic words, say this in the right order and God will be like a genie that has to give you three wishes. 
But Jesus taught a big picture. Uh, Who is God? How do we understand who he is? Uh, Who are we? How do we recognize that we are imperfect creatures and it's okay to own that? But most importantly, who is the one who delivers us from our sins and offers us new life? Let's pray to him now. Uh, Lord, we do thank you that you love us so much so that you would send your son uh, to live a sinless life and uh, to forego those temptations uh, that we might give into, and then to die on our behalf on the cross and that in rising to new life that he might deliver us from evil. Uh, help us, Lord, to hold on to this truth. Help us, Lord, to support each other as we might struggle with trials and temptations. And as we do this, Lord, we pray that we might have our eyes fixed on that glorious future that you have won for us. So we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.